Amen. Well, it's great to be together today. And uh, I don't know if God's been trouble in the water in your neck of the woods, but uh, he tends to do that every once in a while. And that actually goes along with the sermon today. Uh, we're going to talk about carrying each other's burdens. Uh, but if you're here with us, you get to be here for the last week of our Galatians series. And without further ado, I'm going to let this uh, brief video kind of give us an introduction here. We get started. But, Paul's opponents might argue, the laws of the Torah, they're a proven guide to living according to God's will. How will non-Jewish Christians learn this? Paul responds in chapters 5 and 6 by describing how Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit is the key. The laws of the Torah are good. They're wise, Paul says. In fact, they can all be summarized, as Jesus did, in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. But the laws, good as they are, they did not give Israel the power to obey them. In contrast, the good news is that Jesus did fulfill the laws on our behalf, and now he lives in us through the Spirit, making his people into new humans who fulfill the law by loving others. So Paul goes on to contrast this old and new humanity. The habits of the old humanity are obvious. These are behaviors that dehumanize people, they destroy relationships and whole communities. And while the laws of the Torah prohibited these behaviors, Jesus actually put them to death on the cross. So when a person trusts in Jesus and lives in dependence on the Spirit, his life becomes theirs and produces what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. This is Jesus' way of life that he wants to reproduce in his family so that they become people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But this fruit isn't automatic, Paul says. It requires cultivation just like real fruit. Or in his words, if we live by the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. This requires intentionality. We have to learn how to prune off our old habits and cultivate new ones. And as we do so, we find ourselves carried along by the Spirit as Jesus reshapes our minds and hearts and makes us into people who love God and others. And in this way, Jesus' people fulfill what Paul calls the Torah of the Messiah. In the end, Paul concludes, this requirement for Christians to become Torah observant or be circumcised, it's an adventure in missing the point. What really matters is God's new creation, this new multi-ethnic family of the Messiah, people full of faith in Jesus who are learning to love God and others in the power of the Spirit. And that's what the letter to the Galatians is all about. Amen. To clap or not to clap, right? That's the question. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time, God. I pray that you be with us these next few minutes as we look into your word. God, help it to speak to us, God. Help, help your spirit to move in our hearts to convict and encourage and inspire us, God. I pray that uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave here changed because of uh, the word that you spoke through me, God. I pray you get me out of the way that it can really be your word and not me speaking. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The t- title of today is A New Creation, and it comes from, uh, from chapter 6. And if you were here last week, you heard we talked about feeding the spirit or feeding the flesh. And I thought Jake did an amazing job with that and really keeping in step with the spirit, as we even heard in the video. 
and really talking about the two different wolves, the wolf of the flesh and the wolf of the spirit. And the one that we feed the most is the one that's going to grow. And I pray that this week that you have been feeding the spirit and, and going after, filling up with God your prayer times, your times with him, so that we can grow more and more closer to him. We're going to read verse, uh, verse 1 of ch- chapter 6, 1 through 10. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught into, in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those in the family of believers. My point number one is, he ain't heavy. And for, for those of you who know where I'm going with that, he's my brother. And I wanted to show you the, the, the Holly's uh, video, but YouTube wouldn't let me rip that video because of the music. But it, it's an amazing and a classic, and it talks about carrying each other's burdens, and even when we carry each other's burdens, it's not heavy. It's not hard because we love each other, we care about each other, and he reminds them in, in chapters, in verse 1 and 2, that if you're caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You know, the word restore there, they take it from a medical term. And when you break a bone and you set it and it gets healed and it's strong again, then it's fully restored. You know, when we sin and when we fall short, when we, when we, when we fall short of the Spirit, we are broken and God wants us to be restored. He wants us to be fixed. And the way that he does that is he uses even each other to do that. Right. So we can carry each other's burden. We can help restore our brother and restore our sister when they fall short. Which the whole point of the book is we all fall short. That no one can be perfect without Jesus. And so we all need what? We need help. We need someone else to be able to help restore us at one time or another. And it says to restore each other gently. It doesn't say to judge one another when you fall into sin. It doesn't say to condemn one another when you, when you mess up. You know, imagine if someone came to church today and said, you know what? I got to talk to you. I fell, I, 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 I committed immorality. I committed impurity, I committed debauchery, I, got, I was in drunkenness, I had a fit of rage. You know, on my way to church, I got out of the car, I followed this person, cut me off, I was yelling at him the whole way, I pulled over on the side of the road, I got out of the car and I got up to his window, and then I said, 
wait a second, I'm going to church. I've got to not do this. <laughs> Those were all the things that the Christians were involved in. He wasn't talking about people not Christians. He's talking about the Christians. Imagine if somebody said that to you. Would you be gentle? <laughs> would you say, what are you thinking? Man, you got to stop it. You know, you are worse than the unbeliever when you're living like that. You know, in one sense, you might feel like you're really helping them. But when someone's coming to you to be restored, they already know that they're broken. And you're just breaking them more. Two things are pretty certain if you respond that way. Number one, you're not going to help them. And number two, they're probably never going to confess the sin to you again. You know, because they're going to feel judged. They're going to feel like, hey, this person doesn't care about me. They just want to preach at me. And I pray that we have that spirit that my job is not to preach at you. Your job is not to preach at the person next to you. It's to restore them to spirituality. It's to help them to get strong. What does this person need to get strong? Sometimes it's a rebuke, but most of the time it's a restoration, it's a, it's a gentleness, it's a relating, it's a prayer, it's a commitment. Hey, I got your back. I'm going to be with you through this. I'm, going to, I'm not just going to have one conversation with you, but I'm going to stick with you until you are fully restored. How long does it take when you break a bone? I don't know. They all seem to keep the cast on for like six weeks, right? Four to six weeks. So... When someone comes to you with a sin and they're broken, if you want to restore them spiritually, will you commit to them for four to six weeks? Will you commit to praying for them for four to six weeks? Will you commit to getting together with them? Will you commit to, you know, devoting yourself to restore them spiritually? That's what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. But it also says to watch yourself because you could also be tempted by the same things. It's amazing. That's what the law did. And that's what people, even when they tell us about their sin, it can it can send us to bad places, too. It said the law said not to kill. And it made me think about killing somebody. Just hypothetically, not really. But when someone confesses some sin like impurity or anger or frustration or whatever, it could remind us, hey, I'm frustrated, too. I'm angry too. Yeah, my wife said the same thing to me. And instead of helping them, we end up getting ourselves in the same situation. I love that picture of carrying each other's burdens. And even in the contribution, what did Amory talk about? When we were having a hard time, there was two families in here that carried us. They didn't just say, I'll pray for you, but they actually had us live with them. They took care of them. You know, even this past week with Gail Rita moving today to Arizona to be with her uh, family, you know, there was four brothers that were there helping her move, you know, encouraging her. Last week, Juan Hernandez, I called him like the day of. There was a brother, we'll call him a little bit irresponsible brother from Orange County, texted me in the morning, say, hey, I'm moving it. I need to clear out a storage container at, in like four hours. Is there somebody that can help me? That was kind of a test of the heart when I sent that text out to some brothers. And Juan, Juan was ready to go. And I was like, amen. He's carrying each other's burdens. You know, 
Sin doesn't always happen at a really convenient time. It's like, well, I'm going to help you, but just wait. You know, I got a lot going on this week. If you were falling to sin next week, then I'll really be there for you. No, you put everything aside to help your brother or your sister when there's a need. Anybody feel like you're carrying any burdens? You don't have to raise your hand, but we are. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He also said he'd overcome the world, but he still said that we will have trouble. I just thought the burdens of sin, the burdens of death in our family, the burdens of divorce, the burdens of finances, the burdens of joblessness, the burdens of health, the burdens of negativity, the burdens of discouragement. And I could go on. We're in a world that's broken. We're in the world that needs to be restored and unfortunately will not get fully restored until it's redeemed by Jesus. Sometimes we can live, I can live in a bubble. I talk to Christians and I, I'm around Christians and they're generally pretty happy and they, even if they're not happy, they seem happy. And yet all of us are carrying burdens. There was a brother that I was with, and he was talking to somebody that he didn't really even know. And he just said, I can see that you're hurting. And it just kind of struck me as kind of weird. I was like, you don't even know this person. How can you see that they're hurting? And then as he kept going and that person started relating, I said, wow, he really, he saw something that I didn't even see. He was in touch with the struggles of life. And he was able to touch someone that was going through similar or or similar burdens. You know, I pray that even as Christians, that we won't just try to be the happy people, but we'll look for burdens to carry. That we'll relate with people when they're going through it, that we'll restore people gently and with God's word and with prayer and with love from him. You know, I love this movie, Facing the Giants. When he carries the dude on his back for a hundred yards and the coach keeps yelling at him, give me all you got. Give me everything you got. Don't worry about how far you went. How many, a lot of people seen that movie, hopefully. And he gets to the end zone and he's like, see Brock, you did it. You went further than you ever thought you could go because you were just giving it your best and doing it and carrying your brother. You know, we can go a lot further than we ever thought we can with Jesus. His spirit says he fills us up even when we're broken down. He continues to fill us up day by day. I love the line at the end. He says, Brock, you just carried a 140 pound man, 100 yards on your back. And the kid that was getting carried said, hey, coach, I weigh 160 pounds. (laughs) That he did even more than he thought he could because he was giving it his best. You know, you might not feel like you're really helping people out by your prayers, by your texts, by your encouragements, but you really are. People get up and get up another day because of you, because of all the ways that we carry each other's burden. There's there's some things that we don't do well in this church, but carrying each other's burdens is something we do pretty well. You know, if you want to come to a place where everybody's going to be fake and be happy, this is probably not the church for you. 
But if you want to come to a church where you can be joyful, but you can be real, and you can be carried through this life, this is the church for you. And we've seen it over and over and over. And those of you who have been in the desert have seen it over and over and over for over 25 years. In verse 3, it says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. And really, that was a lot of the issue for the Israelites. They were comparing themselves to these Jews who wanted them to be circumcised. They wanted them to go back to the law. And they're like, well, I don't know if we can do this. When you're helping someone through a burden, it can be tempting to compare yourself to them. Say, well, at least I'm not doing that. Man, I thought I was doing bad, but man, you're really messed up. You know, pride can come out where we can forget that without the blood of Jesus, we're all lost. Without the faith in in him raising from the dead, it crucifies our pride. And it allows us to compare ourselves and realize, hey, I stand before God myself. It's not going to be a comparative contest. It's going to be me and Jesus. And without forgiveness, we're all falling short of him. You know, I love that. In verse 5, he says, each one should carry their own load. Now, that was kind of confusing as I was reading that, because in verse 2, he says to carry each other's burdens. And then in verse 5, he said, carry your own load. And so how does that work? We carry each other's burdens, but we all need to stand on our own feet with faith as well. We can't use that as an excuse. Well, bro, you've got to carry your own burden. I'm not carrying it for you. Maybe that's what they were doing. Maybe that's what we can do. So, well, I know it's tough for you, but you can do it. Go get them. I believe in you. No, he wants us to have compassion. Somebody used this analogy of a backpack, that someone comes to you with the burdens in their backpack. And what your job is, you can help them look through it and say they have a big old burden in there that they don't need to have in there. And you can just toss it out. Say, hey, this one, you don't need to have that one in here. But these other ones, you know what? These are your burdens and they're not going to go away. So let me help you organize them more in a better way so that you can carry your load easier. You know, let me help you to think how to think about things. Let me pray with you so you can have strength. Let me reorganize your backpack. But guess what? At the end of the day, you got to put your own backpack back on. I can't. I can't. I have enough time carrying my own backpack, much less 200 backpacks. Right. So, but we can help each other to get the ones, the burdens out that we don't need to have in there and also to reorganize and to, so that we can keep going. For God. Amen. I love verse nine. It says, do not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. That God has a harvest in store for all of us. You may be tired. But don't give up. You may be worn out, but don't give up because it will be worth it. We're going to reap such an amazing harvest. I love this picture. I mean, just get the big combine out and just a major harvest from God. He has so many blessings planned for us. If we don't give up, knowing that everything you do for him makes a difference. 
Satan tries to t- get us to give up and, real- and makes us think that nothing we do matters. Everything you do for God matters. Every little thing and every big thing you do for God matters. You know, in a couple of weeks, we have a harvest festival coming up here. And uh, we're super excited about it. It's a great opportunity to, for our friends and for ourselves to, you know, hear some powerful worship, some testimonies, some sharing, have a great festival, a great time, some great food, and just celebrate. This is really, this is one of the things that we really do well. You know, it's not bragging when it's true. This is true, okay? <laughs> this has been dialed in for like 10 years now, and it really is a great time. Uh, everybody doing their part, everybody chipping in. I want to thank all of you in advance for your hard work, for your faith, and just for how you make this an amazing time again after again. I always think of Daniel Roberge, who came to the Harvest Festival. was his first thing that he came to, and he was amazed that everyone in the church was involved. But it wasn't just a few people doing it. And he was really encouraged uh, by your faith and by your work and your, your efforts for God. So let's really be inviting our friends. We're going to send out the digital invitation today to the family groups. And then we'll have all the, uh, the hard copies on Wednesday night so we can get rolling with that. Okay. Point number two. Carry our burdens. Now a new creation. This is the title of our series. A new creation. God doesn't want us to be the old creation. He wants us to be the new creation. In Galatians 6 and verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised, to go back to your old life. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause you trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Now, this is probably amazing, a cool part of the letter when you're reading it. You see Paul writing with his own hand. He had his scribe that wrote the whole letter, and then he says, give me that pen. This is my turn. And some people think he wrote really large because he couldn't see too well. I think he maybe wrote really large because he wanted them to get the point. It's like underline in capital letters. See what I use to write to you with my own hand. I don't want to impress people. I want to impress Jesus. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. You know, I love, I love the way God does that. He just gets down to the bottom line with people. Right? He says, you know, the only reason they want you to be uh, circumcised is because they don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to be killed for their faith. They don't want to be flogged. They, they want an easy life. They want a life that is not including the cross of Christ. 
He said, no way. And I appreciate his faith and his conviction. You know, so many people that we hand out the good news, you might think, why would you ever not want to be recreated in Christ? Why would you ever not want to go to heaven? Why would you ever not want all the blessings? And for them, the reason was real, and it was there. They wanted to care about more about what people thought than what, about, than what God thought. They wanted a life of ease rather than a life of Christ. And it's the same today. I mean, people may come up with all the reasons why they don't want to follow Jesus or be really committed, but it comes down to, hey, it's going to be harder than I want it to be. I choose an easy life rather than choosing Christ. That is, it sounds pretty straightforward. And it is. And that's the thing I love about the Bible, is it's not a real theoretical book. I mean, it just gets down to it. Whatever's keeping us from Christ, it's going to bring it out. And ultimately, for every single person that follows Christ, they come down to a decision. Do I want this, my most important thing in this life, or do I want Christ? Do I want my family approval, or do I want Christ? Do I want to be rich, or do I want Christ? Do I want myself and call my shot, the shots myself, or do I want to let Christ call the shots? And it's an amazing thing when you see someone get to that final step where it's just they're one step away from Christ. It, it, it just boils everything all away. And I believe as he's writing this that that church was in that spot. You are one step away from Christ. And in the same way, you're one step away from your old life. See, this wasn't just a cool letter like, oh, that was a great letter. I'm glad you wrote that. No, this was a letter of life and death. This was a letter of heaven and hell. This was a letter of the flesh and the spirit. I mean, he wasn't just playing around. He wasn't playing church. And a lot, not a lot of people like to hear that. But that is what it is when you strip all the cool stuff away. All the harvest festivals and everything. God wants us to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, they wanted to avoid persecution for the gospel. You know, we're so excited. Next week, we're going to have Sammy and Fadia Sakakini here from Jordan. Uh, And they're going to be able to, uh, he's going to preach the word. I think she's going to translate for him. And... uh, be able to share about our brothers and sisters over across the the pond there. And I've been waiting to share this story, the most amazing story from our conference over the summer. I was going to share it uh, at the Harvest Festival, but Sammy's going to share it next week uh, about this uh, amazing uh, couple in uh, in Yemen. So I'm going to just throw that out there. Uh, It's be a great, be a great Sunday. And then in two weeks, we're going to have Darren Overstreet here, JJ's son, uh, they're also going to be partnering with us going forward in the Middle East. So we kind of have guest speaker one and then next week guest speaker two. So it should be fun. And then the Harvest Festival. So a great three weeks to come. Okay, let's continue on in Galatians 6. He said, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. That's not something that we can do on our own. Last time I checked, there wasn't any of us that could create something. You know, we can create an idea, but we can't create a new life. 
That's what he's talking about when God creating a new life in us. And sometimes we forget how much of a new creation we are because of Christ. We forget where he brought us from. We forget how we used to think, how we used to live, how we used to act, and where our minds were. You know, I, th- I meditated on that at, earlier in the week here, just how evil gets into our lives from a very young age. From the time we're in elementary school, it starts getting in there. And I just started thinking, wow, my heart was getting evil even at like age, you know, I stole my first thing of Tic Tacs at age six. (laughs) I remember cursing out my mom at age eight. You know, I remember seeing my first uh, pornographic video from my friend's house at age 11. You know, I remember getting my heart broke at age 10. And that caused me to hate, you know, have some animosity in relationships. And I started thinking, wow, what a devious plan. Right. Sure. That he goes after those innocents. So by the time we're grown up, we're already jaded. We're already damaged. We're already broken. We need to be restored And God says, you know what? I can make you a new creation. I can give you purity. I can give you right right relationships. I can give you love. I can make you a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. What a blessing we have in Christ. Sometimes we forget where we came from. We forget how much God has done with us. He's talking about to the spiritual Israel of God. And I love that. He says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So in one sense, he says, they don't want to be persecuted. But I almost picture if it was live, him taking off his shirt and turning around and saying, I bear on my body the the marks of Christ. You know, I go where Jesus goes. And so many of us, we've carried the burdens that he's carried. We We've fought for people. We've prayed for people. We've been excluded. We've been blessed. We've been through all the same things that Jesus has been through. And today I want to remind you of the blessings that you have. In this short book of Galatians, he talks about being a new creation. He talks about hope. Hope of change. Hope of, of a new life. He talks about being heirs with Christ, that we're going to have the same inheritance as Jesus, that what he was looking forward to in heaven, we could look forward to the same exact thing. We have we're all one family in Christ. There's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We're all God's children in Christ. We have a harvest of righteousness that we It's sown one thing, but it's raised to something of glory. We're made more like Christ every day. That we're being renewed from inside out. That we're going from one degree of glory to another in Christ. Because he's given us his spirit. And he says the fruit of the spirit leads to eternal life. In so many ways, reminding them. Don't ever go back. Why would you ever want to leave that behind? I'm never going back as he bears the marks of Jesus 
on his back. My favorite part of this chapter is what we're going to look at for communion. Back in chapter 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. That I'm, de- I'm dead to my old life. I've been fascinated by this verse. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have time to tell you how weird that was to say back in his day. There was no one boasting in the cross of anybody back in the day. That was a curse. That was an insult. That was for the worst of the worst. And yet Paul was boasting in the cross of Christ because it meant that his sins were paid for by him. And this second part, he says, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Well, what does that mean? I've been thinking about that all week. So the world's crucified to me and I'm crucified to the world. Not exactly sure. I think what it means is that I am dead to the sins of this world. And this world is dead to me. That there's no, I'm not going back. I'm not going to give in. It's like Jesus after he got through the garden. I mean, the, uh, the temptation in the desert. When he just put to death all the temptations of this world, everything that Satan went at him. And that was Paul saying, you know, I am dead to the world. And the world is dead to me. In another book, he says, I consider rubbish. All of my worldly talents, all of my abilities, all my wealth, I considered it trash to knowing Christ and to somehow being raised again with him someday. I pray that today that you are ready to put to death the things of this world that take you away from Christ. And you're ready to put your old life to death so that God can do the miraculous thing of raising you to life. Not just once when we get baptized, but day after day after day. I pray that you remember that your brother and your sister, they're not heavy. That we, in a miraculous way, can carry each other's burdens in this life. And that we are new creations because of Christ, because of the cross, and because of his resurrection. Let's pray as we take our communion together. Father, we thank you so much for this time to just get a view into Paul's heart and into your heart, Father. Thank you that we can carry each other's burdens through prayer, through, through love, through encouragement, through your word. God, help us to be our brother's keeper, to be our sister's keeper. God, I pray that you strengthen us so that we are able to carry our own load as well. God, help us to be uh, ambassadors for you. God, thank you for the new creation that you provide us. Thank you that you recreate us every day. I pray we can be grateful for the blessings that you've given us, God. We, we so easy, it's so easy to take those for granted. And yet, God, you've given us things that are more valuable than gold. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus, his body and his blood that was broken for us, that we could be redeemed for you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.